Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight is March 12th, 2013. So tonight's topic is one about criminal behavior going on inside of Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. And the reason that I decided to talk about this show, talk about this tonight, was the newest story that was published in the Bellingham Herald uh, as of March 6, 2013 by Kaleeb Hutton. A Bellingham man has been charged with molesting a toddler at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. After claiming several times he couldn't remember touching the girl but never denying it, Gilbert Ray Butch, is what they call him, Hannah, age 64, admitted to police He put his hand under her tights. According to charging documents filed last week in Whatcombe County Superior Court, he told police it was an accident. According to prosecutors, Hannah took an interest in two young girls soon after showing up for Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in early January. He told the victim's grandmother the hot chocolate served at the meeting was too warm for a young girl. He offered to go to the other room and bring her some paper towels, possibly to wrap her cup in. When he got out of sight of the other adults, prosecutors allege he reached under the toddler's skirt. The only witness, the older girl in the room, told an adult what had happened right after the meeting. Two attendees described Hannah, a 5'8", white man in his 60s with a mustache and gray hair, to police. Detectives spoke with Hannah, a resident of Kelly Road at the Bellingham Police Department in February. 
At first he said he went into the room carrying paper towels, but he couldn't remember touching the girl. Then he said he patted her on the head and chest. Eventually he confessed to touching the girl under her tights, but said, in quotes, once he realized where his hand was, in end of quotes, he got scared and pulled his hand away, according to the charges. In the Bellingham Police Blotter, he continued, he'd seen a sex crime was reported that night in the same block as the meeting. So from then on, every time he saw a police car, he thought they were coming for him, wrote Deputy Prosecutor Eric Ritchie. Hannah was arrested about a week after the police interview, but has since posted $25,000 bond, according to his jail records. He has no criminal history in Washington State. Prosecutors charged him with first-degree child molestation. Um, a woman who picked up the phone at, as, at his listed number said he wasn't home. She said he's totally innocent, in quotes, then hung up. And then you can also reach Khalib with a C, C-A-L-E-B, Hutton, H-U-T-T-O-N, at phone number 360-715-2276. Um, I have it posted on my blog, or the leavingaa.com blog. So this is very, very disturbing. It's not the first time that we've seen a story like this. And yet, you know, one of the bloggers uh, said on the Leaving AA site, have you contacted Child Protection uh, Agency? And I would have to say, have I contacted them? Have you? Have any other um, person who is a supporter of the anti-step movement or left AA movement or left NA movement? Have you called Child Protective Services? And, you know, I think it's really a good point. It's a really good idea. Uh, I think that somebody that I know in Florida certainly has already thought about this and, and has made many calls. I think, I mean, you know what, I did call last year in the main headquarters uh, in, I think it's in D.C. or Virginia, and got no response. Um, it was a, an advocacy agency for... Um, for children. And so what I'm basically going to do is um, just uh, ask for a call of action. How about that? How about that uh, I know somebody in Ohio uh, that I can email and call with a problem that... So, you know, there are laws on the books. We all have learned many things about what the laws are, one of them being that if you were sexually harassed in an AA meeting, it has nothing to do with anything except your um, your rights, your civil rights, and that people need to get his first and last name, leave, get a witness, leave the meeting, and go and file a suit against them, a sexual harassment suit. You don't need a lawyer to do it. Um, I was told it's you know anybody can file a lawsuit, and then you follow up with suing the place where the meeting is held, and then you sue New, uh, New York City Alcoholics Anonymous. Remember. It's the General Service Board, Inc. Of, uh, the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous, Inc. is the nonprofit arm you need to sue. Bringing us back to this child, to this toddler. Thank God there was an older child there. But you know, here's what one of the bloggers said. Uh, Anon says, um, "I still say that weirdos like this belong in AA meetings." Wow. Um, I don't. I don't think I want to talk anymore about that but let's see this other point which is registered sex offenders let's see um complaints regarding a molestations i would make an appointment with child protective services to see if they could enact legislation 
or enforce legislation already in place. It may already be illegal for minors to be at AA meetings under current child protection law. Additionally, registered sex offenders are restricted as to their contact with minors by law. Perhaps meetings could be forced to make announcements by protective services because the courts are sending sexual criminals there. And then he asks, have you complained to Child Protective Services yet? So is there anybody out there that has even thought about this or done it? If you had, we would love you to call in, 818-475-9211-818. The number to call in is 818-475-9211. Call in. I have no guest tonight because I uh, was pretty disturbed by this story. And um, so... One of the things that we heard when we were still attending meetings and going and trying to get people to discuss safety was that it was an outside issue, which people have totally turned and twisted those 1940 little things they call their traditions. And basically, uh, they do not supersede the law of the land. You know, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. So this child was definitely uh, molested in a meeting and that's what we were basically talking about, that you know it, it happened in a meeting. Now, the other story uh, was posted on NADetona.org. This comes to us from Northern News Services. Uh, Catherine Hudson is the uh, reporter who wrote the story. It says, jail time for sexual assault. Accused uh, who assaulted sleeping women who had five, he had five previous convictions in Fort Good Hope. I don't know where Fort Good Hope is, if anybody knows where that is. So this second story uh, basically says here, uh, a 58-year-old man was sentenced to two years less a day for committing a sexual assault on an 18-year-old sleeping woman in Fort Good Hope on August 4th, 2012. The story is just reported. This is the sixth sexual assault in the community of Fort Good Hope by Stanley Cook. He received a global sentence of almost two and a half years for five sexual assaults on sleeping or passed out victims in 2005. In the most recent assault, Fort Good Hope RCMP responded to complaint at 7.15 a.m. from a woman who said she had been sexually assaulted at a house party two hours earlier. The victim was tired in the early morning and went to sleep in a bedroom at the house while a number of other people continued to consume alcohol. She told police she thought she was dreaming that someone was touching her. However, she woke up and discovered Cook was assaulting her. She told him to stop, and he did and left the room. At 9.30, Cook, who was intoxicated, was located and held in cells until he was sober. That night, he admitted his guilt to RCMP. I don't know who RCMP is. This was a crime of opportunity, said Crown Prosecutor Jen Bond on February 7th in Territorial Court in Yellowknife. I guess this must be sounds like this is in Indian Territory. Adding sexual assault on a sleeping or passed out victim is prevalent in the Northwest Territory. The Crown suggested three and a half to four years in custody, while Defense Counsel Paul Falvo said that the sentence was excessive. He said Cook was physically and sexually abused in residential school, and when he was home, he was in a world of alcoholism, never allowing him to learn how to take care of himself. Hmm, so now he's allowed to touch and molest other people. Is that what he was saying? 
Um, shall I go on here and read? Faldo said that Cook had been proactive in attempting to heal himself through counseling at Yellow Knives Healing Drum Society and the Tree of Peace. Cook also completed a 28 residential treatment program for alcohol addiction in Hay River since November. He attends Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and also started an Alcoholics Anonymous group in Fort Good Hope, said Falvo, adding to the early guilt plea, spared the victim needing to testify at a trial. Judge Christine Gagnon sentenced Cook to two years less a day and two years of probation upon his release. She asked for him to serve his sentence at the South Mackenzie Correctional Center in Hay River, where there are Aboriginal cultural programs. Even a single slip in his case is scary, said Gagnon about Cook's night of drinking in Fort Good Hope in August after he had been attempting to live a sober life. It's absolutely essential that you remain alcohol-free in order to not reoffend. <laughs> this is what that was said to him. Cook addressed the court before his sentencing and said he prays every morning and leaves his traumatic residential school experiences behind him. I accept what I've done, in quotes, if I could give her back her innocence, I would. I passed on to her what happened to me. The abuse took my humanity away, he said. Oh, my God. I don't know what's coming. What has what become of our world where no one takes accountability and no one says, uh, this is what I've done and what I've done is wrong. The part that is so disturbing to me, uh, they both are. One is that the man is given only one direction, not a choice. The choice is, there's no choice there, uh, no teaching him maybe about moderation, uh, learning about, you know, that he has choices in what he does. He's not uh, a victim to his own feelings and hands, more you know, dehumanizing uh, these men and making them like uh, they're just a victim to uh, what they do with their... Uh, I mean, it's really bad. It's really bad. So what can we do? We can make films, which we're doing, documentaries to expose what's going on. We can go and make your own film if you have ideas. You can make short films and put them up on YouTube. And I think the more that we are not in the shadows, uh, the better it is. I think that you can take a look at Penn and Teller bullshit on Alcoholics Anonymous. There's some really, really good footage that you can find on Huff Live right now. That's the Huffington Post Live. They're having meetings, uh, live chats or Skypes with. Uh, there were people. There was uh, who was on the other night. Um, I'm sorry, was a, a woman from Sobriety, Women for Sobriety, and there was Stanton Peel, and there was I think his name is Paul Carr who wrote a book. And they were, and Dr. Kern. And so there was a reporter who was actually engaging in conversation about other choices, the other options that were there that were certainly ones of empowerment, certainly ones of taking a responsibility for what we put in our mouth and who we sleep with and what we do with our body and what one does with their hands. And to say that in a court of law where everybody where this man said, well, I'm just passing on. I was preyed on, so uh, I get to pass this on to another person by molesting her is absolutely insane. So what can we do about it? This is my question. What do we do about 
what's going on, and I would say that there is a good suggestion by the blogger who suggests, let me go back to that page and just uh, let me see if I can get to it. And um, where, where did you go? Uh, is call, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Um, I have a, a Wake Up New York headquarters, Whatcom County Jail reports. Yeah, this is the Bellingham man story molesting the little girl. So what is Alcoholics Anonymous headquarters in New York going to say when we call? and say, what are you doing to warn current members that their children and minors, their toddlers, are being molested by AA members? I encourage anybody to uh, call New York AA. It's a 212 number. I don't have it in front of me right now. And uh, just do that. And then contact, uh, like he said here, Child Protection Services right in your state, right in your city, Call them and get the address of your nearest AA clubhouse and tell them that children are being molested by AA members. They are We, we know that they are court-ordering uh, sex offenders there. And that you can refer to the story, Bellingham Herald, that where this story is coming out of. And, uh, wow, it's really, it's really sick. Uh, one of the other bloggers wrote here, A is like going to an adult bookstore. I remember a few years ago I was going to a group uh, where it had the rainbow flag hanging in it. Everyone there lived alternative lifestyles, addicts, alcoholics, uh, street people, hookers, the Johns, the street perverts. After a while, with so many complaints about the group, it finally broke up, or at least it went underground. Um, this is... A blogger was putting that up there. Um, somebody was saying that A is like going into an adult bookstore. No minors under 18. Um, do people discuss X-rated stuff at AA meetings? Yes, they do. And uh, so uh, can you change the meetings to make them safe for kids? This blogger says no way. And um, I agree. I think uh, under 18, no one allowed. No one can bring a kid. Uh, no one can come there. And our society has to develop uh, some kind of a, a way to treat your teens, and that's you don't send them to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. In fact, I have a friend who is um, had his daughter in you know some kind of a program in Utah, and she was going to come out and come back home. And he said, well, the meeting was sanctioned. Uh, you know, as they said, you know, Vista, I forget the name of the program that she was in, said that these were good meetings, and obviously they were not. I said to him, nobody can sanction a meeting. They're not regulated. They're not professional. There's nobody in charge. There's no one trained there. Just the blind leading the blind. And he said she was she's 16, and some 26-year-old was watching porn on his phone and showed it to her. So that's what you know you can find at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And there are other choices. You know, there's Smart Recovery, and there's Women for Sobriety, and there's Ham's Home Reduction, and there's SOS. There's Amy Lee Coy's Way. There's Hank Hayes' Way. There's a lot more. So if anybody wants to call in, you can call in at 818-475-9211. This stuff is really, really, really serious. I am putting together... You know, all the news stories that are going to wind up in, um, you know, I'm looking for the stories that are going to, be in, going to be in the film, and here's another story that was from 
this is December 11, 2012, in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, for strangling best friend. He got 34 years in prison. Now, you know, first of all, I want to say something about this sexual offense stuff. I was reading on the front page of the L.A. Times, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, so if you want to check it out, where they're talking about all these sex offenders getting off and are being released and because, oh, my goodness, our jails are overcrowded. Well, who are they overcrowded with? They're overcrowded with, you know, people of color who stole a TV and they're there for six years. But no, a guy who rapes or molests children is out in two years. Or somebody who had marijuana on them or had a small amount of illegal drugs. I mean, they really need to decriminalize marijuana, for, in my opinion, and just decriminalize, open up the gates and let them out of jail and put these sex offenders in jail where they belong. So here's a guy. Here's a guy that's the only guy that I've read about that admitted what he did was wrong. All these other white guys are just like, you know, oh, man, I, I didn't do it. Uh, I, I plead the fifth or whatever they plead. But here's a man of color who says that what I did is wrong. So Corey Dean Thomas did not accept that Megan Neely was leaving him. In his anger, the St. Paul man strangled the 27-year-old mother of two and stuffed her body into a crawl space of her apartment. In quotes, all you had to do was be a man and walk away, Neely's mother Terry Neely said in Ramsey County District Court at his sentencing, Thomas spent several hours after her death responding on her cell phone to texts from family and friends wondering where she was. He pretended that he was Neely. Thomas pleaded guilty to intentional second-degree murder. He was sentenced Tuesday, December 11th, to 34 years in prison, the maximum the judge could give him under the plea agreement. Family and friends of Neely nodded and murmured thank you as the sentence was pronounced and many were in tears. Judge, Judge Kathleen Guerin also gave Thomas 32 credit for 422 days. He had served in custody since October when the murder happened in October of 2011. Wow. She ordered him to pay $7,800 in funeral and burial expenses. When it was his turn to speak, Thomas unfolded a sheet of yellow paper he apologized to Neely's family for what he called a horrible tragedy. I lost my best friend, and I'm sorry for taking her away, he said in court. He said during October 22nd plea hearing that he and Neely had met at an AA meeting, and they had been dating about three months and moved in together. So, you know, this is, I mean, you know, just in reading this again, I had already read this. And part of what somebody has signed in, um, I learned so much. Oh, hi, Shira. Hi, Shira. How you doing? Just type in there. There's somebody in the chat room. Uh, I'm doing a shorter show tonight because I am just tired. I'm tired. I'm working on my film and editing, getting my trailer ready. And uh, I just wanted to do a quick show about some of these criminal things that are going on here. So here's one thing. So, you know, he pulled out a yellow piece of paper. He thinks that apologizing, that whole thing with making amends, are kind of like the Catholic Church where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm sorry and then I'm supposed to what? Be, it's, uh, apologize for killing your daughter? Like that that's going to make it okay? It doesn't make it okay. Uh, and I, I think that he's the only one I've seen that would admit guilty, which is why he the trial happened so quickly whereas the problems with Carla Brada's case here in Santa Clarita 
therefore he's saying he's not guilty uh, is taking a very, very long time. I want to encourage people to think outside the box. Think how, you know, how can we change the whole way that in America we think about alcohol and drugs and, you know, using these uh, 12-step programs that are pretty pretty inane, uh, in my opinion. I want to put a shout out to Take Control Now. It's a book by Dr. Mark Kern, who is a moderation specialist in Beverly Hills, California. He Skypes. You can see him in person if you live here locally. There's Laura Tompkins, who is a local uh, out of the Palisades. She is an addiction recovery therapist that specialized and was trained at Hazleton, um, but does, um, this naughty 12-stepper. So what are the ways... One of the things that we did is we put up a petition to stop the sentencing of third-level offenders and uh, violent offenders to meetings. The petition went out to President Obama and Michelle Obama and to um, Vice President Biden and his wife Jill and to Governor Brown. And so we need to uh, follow up on that. And the next thing is... uh, the lawsuit of the Carla Brada suing Alcoholics Anonymous, and that is uh, doing what it's doing right now. The next big thing, the way that I see it, besides the release of Gabrielle Glasser's book that's going to come out on July 3rd, would be the release of my film. And I know that uh, Mike Blaine Denial, who's made a ton of videos on YouTube, is also making a documentary. So that will come out, will help as well. Are the making of three pa- two pamphlets, one which is directed to the courts and to a DUI, so mostly to a DUI and a DWI person, that they know that their rights are being violated, that a judge can't sentence them to Alcoholics Anonymous. That's happening in 20, already 25 states have voted uh, AAs either a religion or two religious, and all you have to do is print out a copy of Chapter 5 with the 12 steps in them and show, highlight how many times the word God is used. And that's the word mantra. And then you could also say it's an unprofessional setting, it's a dangerous place, so you could you know, contact us for any stories. You can go to nadaytona.org, you can go to leavingaa.com, and you will find all the stories that you need. You can go to smartrecovery.org. And Smart Recovery has a page where you can actually print out. So they started to document all of... Let me see what they said. Sorry, I don't see this. It's really low on the page. Oh, okay. Um, if you go to Smart Recovery, they have a place where it shows legal. All of the... Uh, they compiled... I guess all of the lawsuits that said A's to religious, the Inui case from Hawaii, um, who was the Buddhist, and he was even in jail. And his son, God bless him, just took it all the way to the head of the Superior Court for the Ninth Circuit Court, which is, includes us in California. Um, you know, uh, so back to this pamphlet. So it's it's in the early stages of making. So the pamphlet would basically be handed out outside any courthouse where you know is your superior court where they have DUI and DWI uh, hearings and sentencing. And then in it, it would say, 
it would it would kind of lay out the facts that AA is not safe. It's unregulated. There's no facilitator. There's no leaders there. Sponsors um, are actually we'll just put it all in there, and then all the choices, all the free support choices that should include online meetings as well. Again, this is um, Monica Richardson on Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. And I am your host tonight. The number to call in is 818-475-9211. Again, it's 818-475-9211. The other pamphlet is going to be one that's directed to doctors and to therapists. And so this one would just be basically, uh, again, showing that uh, we believe that alcoholism is not a disease or addiction, that it's a behavior and that there are these other free choices. If 12-step is not working for you, it's disempowering, very, very old, never updated modality. And uh, in the pamphlet, it will also say all the other choices that there are, smart and women for sobriety and life ring and ham harm reduction and moderation, Emily Coy, Hank Kays' way, uh, drink link moderation. Some of these I'm mentioning are not all free, but, uh, and then the, the books, that are, have been so helpful to people that want to stop. Also, the use of naltrexone for people and uh, all the blogs where there's you know a lot of support and there's a lot of them now. So there's the orange papers. There's thinking thinking is still up. Uh, there is expose e x p a a dot o r g expose a a and there is um, stop thirteen step in a a. And then there's uh, leavingaa.com. Am I leaving something out? NADaytona.org. There's so much information out there. And, uh, you know, you're just not alone. You're not alone. And uh, where's the other? So making the pamphlets and getting those out, um, forming some kind of a coalition where people feel, you know, empowered. One of my ideas is Coalition for Empowered Substance. Um, abusers, um, a recovery community and solutions, um, national resources for healthy, empowering substance abuse communities. I mean, I just kind of, kind of brainstorming of different kind of names and what to kind of bring together that whole community that is everything but twelve step, which has kind of hijacked every thread on every TV show except Banshee. I mean, thank God they haven't gone after that one. Uh, So here's the people that need to be educated at every level. So we have a letter to judges that eventually we'll send out to the, there is like an attorney who's a judge probably who oversees all of the judges in every state. The lawyers, so the lawyers associations, parole officers, the district attorneys, the public defenders, colleges, teens, Parenting associations, so you go to PS, uh, uh, PTAs, um, the teens themselves, the parents themselves, the police, pilots, firemen. Have I missed anything? <laughs> I don't know what else. Where, where else? Uh, government changed the laws that no minors uh, can be allowed in an AA meeting, that no one under, under 18, meaning that you're not allowed. If you're young, you know, you're, if you're that young, you've you got to go talk to your parent, go to a therapist, uh, read a book, um, go develop other hobbies, uh, talk about moderation with your parents, uh, talk about the reality of what's really going on. And I'll tell you what, things are changing. 
they really are changing. To see what we're seeing on um, Huff Live, things are really, really changing. So once again, the call-in number, if anyone wants to call in, is 818-475-9211. One of the things that I am pretty excited about is learning all these different modalities that are out here that I had no idea about. And I think that's kind of really sad that, you know, for so long uh, I thought that there was just AA. And even in 2000 and I would say up to about 2000 and, was it 2009 that I first found orange papers. And, you know, uh, I can't believe that, I couldn't believe that um, there were all these other wonderful wonderful modalities. I'm going to just take a look at one of uh, my favorites, and I want everyone to know that none of these modalities anymore in these other programs, none of them do any labeling, okay? They just don't do any labeling. So if you go to smartrecovery.org, you can go, there's online meetings every day, and I heard a woman talk about women for sobriety, and I believe there's online meetings twice a day now. And let me see, courts and legal. So you go to the front page, and they also don't let their meetings get bigger than, I think, 20 or 30 people, if I'm correct. So on the right side of the page, you click on courts and legal. This happens if you get a DOI or a DWI. And they talk about the court cases and mandating of 12-step attendance. It says here, court cases shown here are pertinent to mandated attendance at support group meetings and an overview of the reach and implications of those decisions for both the layperson and the legal professional. And then this is in quotes from Claire uh, Sens. She's the Smart uh, Recovery Board of Directors. In the United States, the practice of requiring those involved in the criminal justice system to attend 12-step meetings without the choice of a non-faith-based option stands at best on shaky constitutional ground and at worst can subject court and prison personnel to liability for money damages. Uh, It says here that um, the purpose of SMART is they have a four-point program and it focuses on building and maintaining motivation coping with urges, managing thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and living a balanced life. I mean, that is really, really great. I think even for somebody, you know, who is not having any problems, stopped maybe for a long time, and spent a lot of time in AA, uh, building and maintaining motivation, obviously managing thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and living a balanced life, SMART promotes choices in recovery. We hope to broadly increase awareness of the availability of SMART recovery and other non-religious mutual aid groups to the various communities that need to be aware of them, including the legal, corrections, treatment, healthcare, research, education, and government communities. Now, here are the First Amendment cases. Let me just make sure that nobody else here it is. Okay, so somebody's typing. Shira Goldberg. Hi there. Um... I see you're typing something. Um, So let me go back to this court case. This is pretty interesting stuff because 
this along with changing the laws, but I gotta tell you I can't do it alone. I need I need a team of you guys out there, which there's certainly plenty of people doing work. We have blogger J.R. Harris and Anti Denial and Gunther and uh Ilsa's writing her book with Stanton Peel. So what happens is they have the First Amendment cases listed and then you have a link to the case if you need it. Uh California uh, this one, the first one up there is in the uh, Ninth Circuit Court. I believe this is the one, this is the Inui case, and it happened in Hawaii. Let's see if this is the one. Um, mm, no, this is a different case. But they all have to do with being sentenced and saying, this, you can't do this, and you can't sentence me to a religion. So they're all, you know, really good for you to, and you can print them out and take them to court with you and take them to your lawyer. Oh, here's the Inui versus Kemna. And this is also in the Ninth Circuit Court. Uh, he was a parolee Inui, a Buddhist, was required by a parole officer, uh, Nano Mori, to attend AANA meetings as a condition of parole, despite his objections to the religious content of the meetings. Inui was not given a choice of alternative programs. Inui brought a suit claiming that this action violated the Establishment Clause. The District Court granted summary judgment in the favor of Nanomori, holding that although Nanomori had violated Inui's First Amendment rights, he had qualified immunity from suit. Uh, the next one uh, was happened to Stefano, the mayor of Middletown, New York, acting as an individual uh, filed suit against the state's act of approving funding for the Middletown Alcohol Crisis Center, and the manner in which such funds were expended by the program violated the First Amendment Establishment Clause. Uh, MACC did not coerce AA attendance. However, DiSefano argued that the inclusion of AA in MACC in the staff encouragement of AA attendance and staff's direct participation in the in in what does it say here? Um, inculcation of MACC attendees to AA all violated the establishment clause, which is very true. The district court disagreed and granted the defendant's motion for summary judgment. But you know, here it is: these getting they're getting state money, and it's their alcohol crisis center, and everybody's pushing AA. It's kind of like what's going on in the downtown mission in Los Angeles. So here's another case in uh, 1997. Wow, it's interesting how these cases would be. Wouldn't you love to see these on the front of major newspapers in the L.A. Times and New York Times? Fortunately, I think those papers are run by steppers. So until that changes, we're not going to see those stories there. So we're going to have to try to find other newspapers to tell this story. Warner was convicted of three DUI offenses, or slightly more than a year's time. As a condition of his three-year probation sentence, he was required to attend, attend AA at the direction of his probation officer. The sentencing judge did not offer any alternative rehabilitation programs to Warner, instead following the recommendation of the probation department, which specifically recommended AA to the court for DUI cases. Warner, an atheist, filed suit for injunction relief and compensatory damages under Section 42, blah, 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 1983, claiming that mandatory participation in AA as a probationary condition violated the Establishment Clause. The district court agreed, relying primarily on Lee versus Weissman coercion test that government may not coerce anyone to participate in religion or its exercise, end of quotes. 
Lee versus Weissman, 505, U.S. 577, 587 in 1992, and holding that because Warner was faced with incarceration if he did not participate in AA, the probation department's requirement was a coercive measure and violated the Establishment Clause. Another very, very, very good point there. Um, let me see what she wrote here. She said, um, uh, a living sober life coach, ing.com, non-12-step recovery coach. Oh, okay. So you are a non-12-step living sober life coach. Well, would love to send me an email if you want right here on the Blog Talk Radio page or you can do it at makeaasafer at gmail.com. I'm going to type this in for you, Shira, and then maybe we can talk. Make AA, you could be on my show, is safer. We'd like to find out people who are non 12 step at Gmail, make AA safer at gmail.com. And I have another guest, and then Shira is there. Nice to see you out there. It's a little quiet in the chat room today. Well, you know, I'm just getting a lot out of. So here's the stuff you can do. I mean, there's people that are still in AA that contact me, and we send them the literature, encourage them to have workshops and everything. But outside is really where most of the work needs to be done. And it's a big job. I mean, I went to my uh, regular doctor to get, today to get my annual you know, checkup, and we, I talked to her about what I'm doing, and she agreed. And once my pamphlet's done, you know, she's going to get it. But let's go back to the court case. This is very interesting. Another case uh, looks like it was in the Federal Court of Appeals, the Second Circuit, which is Warner versus Orange County, Department of Probation. Let's see what state this is in. Link the case. Warner was convicted of three DUI offenses over slightly more than a, in a year's time. As a condition of his three-year probation sentence, he was required to attend AA at the direction of his proba- probation officer. Oh, no. Wait a minute. We already did this one, didn't we? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, here we go. Freedom from Religion Foundation, Inc. And this case happened in the Federal Court of Appeals, the Seventh Circuit. A taxpayer group sought to enjoin Milwaukee, Wisconsin authorities from funding a halfway house that incorporated Christianity, including programs similar to AA, into its treatment programming program, alleging that such funding constituted establishment of religion. Following a bench trial, the district court entered judgment in favor of the state officials. The taxpayers appealed. Um, The circuit court affirmed, finding that the funding did not violate the establishment clause because offenders were free to choose between the halfway house and the secular programs. There was no evidence that parole officers... You know what? And we know that's not true. Like, that's total bullshit. Like, if you were in that rehab, I know a woman who was addicted to pain medication from having back surgery, who sought out supposedly the most expensive non-12-step treatment program in up in the Hollywood Hills when she got there. Um, they said that, but everywhere... Every, I mean, every night, guess where everybody got into a bus and where did they go? They went to an AA meeting, and so she was. She didn't have to go. She didn't need to go, but they were like, "Oh, she's not going," or you know, like, what, "What's her trip?" And so then that, like, you know, she's uh, made to feel different and isolated, and you know, it's just it's just so bad. Okay, here's another one. A care cure K E R R versus Ferry. 
And this case is also in 1996. Looks like there was a lot of interesting things going on then. I'm really curious about this one. This was in the Federal Court of the Appeals, Seventh Circuit. And let me just see how much time I have left as I'm going on here. Wow, I have one minute and 36 seconds. Boy, his time flied. Flied, I mean. All right, so, uh, you know, everybody, it's really been... It's been a really interesting show tonight as far as uh, quiet. On the whole, I think it's a quiet show tonight. And I think I'm going to take a break next week because I'm doing a lot of editing on my film. So I'm going to upload an older show. I'll be back at the end of the month to celebrate over 70,000 listens and downloads, over 100 shows with Gunther and uh, other people will be calling in. Hank Hayes is going to call in. And I think Amy Lee Coy will call in if she can. So thank you so much again for joining me. I will be back in two weeks. You can always listen to any of the shows free on iTunes. Download them free. Share them everywhere and anywhere. And again, I am Monica Richardson. I am your host. This is Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. And I will will see you in two weeks. Good night and take care. And remember, empowered, not powerless, empowered. Yeah, okay, good night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.